not planning to comb through the passage, but kind of just diving in a couple different verses. Um, All of them this morning would be from Ephesians 5. And so, if you remember last Sunday, we were taking verses that use the word walk with them, walk in them, and uh, walking in Christ is the title of our message, second part here. And uh, you may also remember that I began with a verse from Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, says, when, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. So we have Abram, an old man here, almost a hundred years old, and God is calling him. He says, walk before me. Now that word, perfect, he says to be perfect. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. Uh, I believe some translations would use the word complete in place of the word perfect there. We do not walk before God because we are perfect. We do not walk before God because we are worthy, but we walk before God to be perfected or made complete in Him. God makes us worthy to walk before Him. Last week, last Sunday, we looked at walking in good works, walking worthy of our vocation, and now this Sunday we want to look at walking in love, walking as children of light, and walking circumspectly. So Ephesians chapter 5, the first two verses say, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. As followers of God, we are called to walk in love. Now, I noticed the words there about a sweet-smelling savor. And that's looking at um, Christ giving himself for us, sacrifice, um, and and, uh, that sweet-smelling savor. And as I think of, well, my mind uh, went back to the Old Testament, and uh, there's a couple verses there that talk about sacrifices as a sweet-smelling savor to God. And one of those is when Noah came out of the ark, he offered a sacrifice to God, and it came to God as a sweet-smelling savor. And then as I think of this verse speaking of love, walking in love, my mind was drawn to Psalm chapter 133. And there it doesn't use the word love, but it's talking about love. It uses the word unity. And it takes love to have unity and working together. 
It says, there's just three verses here. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. So it's, it's not necessarily using the word uh, sweet-smelling savor there, but it's talking about the precious ointment um, in the comparison here. And I just get the picture of Aaron's anointing and that oil being poured on him. And it was poured plentifully on him and just, just ran down and just soaked him, ran down his robe. And I think there was a beautiful smell to that ointment. And then it talks about the dew of Hermon descending on the mountains of Zion. And I believe that that is speaking of a heavy dew of some of one of the mountains around Jerusalem, some of the mountains around there. And just how it covers and blesses the the lower areas as well. And even so, our love for each other is that way. How it just blesses, and it is a sweet-smelling savor to God. As we think of our call to love, In Matthew 22, and it was mentioned in Sunday school, these verses were. Uh, Matthew 22, we have the first, well, we have the lawyer coming to Jesus. Uh, verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? <clears throat> And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So the first and second commandments, the first, is to love God. That's the first and the greatest commandment, that we love God, that our lives are affected by the love of God. The things we do, the places we go, the thoughts we think, the things we say, that is because and comes from a love for God within our lives. Then the second one, he says, is love. Just pull this one up here. The second is, love thy neighbor as thyself. First is to love God. Second is to love our neighbor. And elsewhere, in John chapter 13, Jesus says that this is how people are going to know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. And I think we could say that if we have love for each other, 
it shows that we love God. So, as we think of walking in love, what does it look like to walk in love? And I think inwardly, we all feel those feelings of either love or lack of love for other people. Things like resentment and bitterness and anger, those are things that we experience if we do not have love within our hearts. But rather, if we have love for one another, we feel a compassion, a care, a concern, pity for each other. And those things do show love. I think we all know what it feels like to feel that anger well up within ourselves. And even as God's children, even if we are loving people, there are times we need to take hold of those feelings that are within. If we don't do that, it comes outward as well. And outwardly, love uh, shows itself in how we respond to others. And just kind of going along with those inward feelings. If it's the wrong feelings, then it's going to come out in anger, and harshness, mocking, jesting, things like that. But when love is truly present in our lives, we're going to care about other people. We're going to take time for them. We're going to give a listening ear. We're going to speak loving words to them. The writer of Ephesians here compared our walking in love to Christ's love for us. He says, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Now all of Christ's life here on this earth speaks of love. He was a loving friend. He cared about the people around them. He was a healer. He cared about their physical infirmities. And there were some strong words that Jesus used at times, especially when, when um, dealing with some of the religious leaders and they're um, trying to trap him and corner him. But even so, um, I believe Jesus did care about them. Jesus did have a love for them. So as we think of Jesus' love, it says, To walk in love as Christ hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we are called... As Christ laid down his life for us, I believe we're called to lay down our lives for each other. I was pondering what it looks like to lay down our lives for each other. And the thought was in my mind that probably many of us, most of us, will not necessarily be called to, to lay down our lives in death for another person. And as I 
thought about that different times. I thought of a situation close to us where there were some people who were willing. In a sense, they did lay down their lives in such a way for their friends. Here, what was it? Two years ago, or when it was, when our youth were out canoeing, kayaking on the Susquehanna River and went over that dam, there were several young men who put their life on the line. They didn't know if they were going to make it out of, of the water, out of that boil, after going over that, that dam. But they allowed others to be rescued before themselves. And, and I see a love there that our youth had for each other in, um, in just being willing to, to um, in a sense, give up their lives. They didn't know what would happen. I think there are some other ways, though, that all of us are called to lay down our lives for each other. And one thing I think of is in taking responsibility. Um, sometimes there's responsibilities that, if, at least if you're like me, responsibilities that you really don't want to take. But um, they're given to you, or uh, maybe it's asked if you would be willing to take a responsibility. Maybe it's a church office, superintendent, or usher, or trustee, or Sunday school teacher, whatever it may be where maybe you think you don't have the time to do it, or you think you don't have the gift to do it, you really don't feel like doing it. Um, but you know there's other people that may feel the same way. And I think that can be a sense of laying down ourselves and being a servant to our brother. Maybe it's laying down my preferences. Um, could be church decisions could be decisions in the place of employment. We all have opinions. And you know, if things always go my way, um, if I never have to lay down my feelings or opinions, um, but things just go my way somehow, um, I think there's a little problem there. Because um, I think it probably is an indication that uh, we're not willing to lay down our preferences. As I think of laying down, it's not really fun to lay down my preferences, but um, it's important. One thing about laying down is um, it allows us to get trampled over sometimes. And the comparison I think of is laying down, let's say there's a herd of cattle and um, some are a little more docile than others. But if you lay down in a, a big herd of cattle, what's going to happen? You're probably going to get stepped on and going to get dirty. It's not going to, doesn't feel safe to lay down in a situation like that. And every one of us 
It may be accusations, whatever. We face things. And as we receive accusations, too often we want to stand up and set the record straight. We don't like to be accused. We think we're right. And we're just not willing to lay down and get dirty. I believe there are times when we when it is time to stand up or to explain ourselves. But there are times to be quiet. When it comes to fighting for myself and proving myself right, it may just be time to be quiet. Laying down our lives is an important aspect of love for each other. Next, I'd like to jump down to verse 8. Look at walking as children of light. Verse 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And we could go back into previous verses here. We could go back into our Sunday school lesson from this morning and uh, look at these things. Um, we were in darkness and now we're called to walk as children of light in Ephesians 4 verse 17 it says this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind there's a negative don't walk as other Gentiles or as the ungodly people walk in the vanity of their minds call is to walk in light. As we think of light and darkness, light and darkness are opposites. And I guess there's aspects of, of the night, the darkness that we can enjoy. Um, I suppose one aspect of the darkness I enjoy is being able to see the stars. So there is light. We enjoy that light there again. But just thinking of, of light or total darkness, total blackness, uh, we kind of get a, a negative feeling, um, not a good feeling to think of just darkness. Um, as we think of spiritual light and spiritual darkness, we think of other opposites like love and hate. Love as light, hate as darkness fits in that category. Joy and sadness. Joy fits under light. Sadness fits under darkness. Fellowship and loneliness, again, fitting under those categories. And righteousness and unrighteousness. I think it's only as we experience the difference between the spiritual light and darkness that we can really understand fully the comparison Just uh, quickly from the previous verses here in, in Ephesians 5. Uh, it's looking at sins of the flesh, sins of the mouth, deception. And it's all darkness. And in John 3, 19, we read that men loved darkness rather than light. And there's a reason for that. It's because their deeds were evil. Darkness covers 
Things can be hidden in the darkness. The other week, my um, our children were with um, their grandma, and my wife and I were uh, going to do some running. And so, for some reason, maybe it was the trade vehicles, I, I forget, but we took the one car seat out of the van. And any of you that have children know what happens when you take a car seat out of the van. Okay? That car seat was covering things. There was food. I forget what all was in it. I'm seeing some chuckling back here. Um, can be food, can be toys, um, whatever it might be under the car seat. But that car seat is kind of like darkness. And it's, you'd rather not see what's under it. Okay. Um, as long as it's covered, you think you're fine. What about you? Do you have dark things in your life that are covered? Things that it, it's, it, it just feels safer to keep it covered, to keep it in the darkness. If we have things that are covered in our lives that we don't want uncovered, we need to deal with them. We need to get them covered, uncovered. Keeping things covered keeps us from true fellowship and from prospering in our spiritual lives. I think there are too many people in our world and in our churches that walk in darkness for years because they think that no one will understand. They think that what they need to keep covered up is too big. Or maybe that there's no hope. Maybe that someday it'll just kind of go away. And Satan will give lies to, to keep us where we are, to keep things in the dark, to keep it covered up. First John 1 John 1.7 says that if we walk in the light, okay, if we get out of the darkness, get in the light, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship and cleansing. We are created for relationships. We are created to, to want to fellowship with each other and to, to benefit, to prosper from that in our spiritual lives. And even so, as we are living in the light, we can enjoy that, those blessings. We find fulfillment. The third walk that I'd like to look at for today, we find in verse 15. We'll read verses 15 and 16. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Walking circumspectly. The word circumspectly would have the meaning of carefully. Walking carefully. I don't know, maybe Paul is referring back to the darkness 
that he was speaking of earlier in the passage. We need to walk carefully because the darkness would overtake us. To walk carefully, we need to walk intentionally. Verse 16 says about redeeming the time. And that word redeeming would give us the thought of to buy it up. To buy up the time. Every one of us has been given time. Every one of us. For every day that we live, we're given 24 hours in that day. No more and no less. 24 hours. How are we using that time? Are we redeeming that time? Or are we letting it slip by? Are we buying it back? Or are we just, are we not appreciating it? Are we not doing with it what we should be doing? It's possible that we use our time carelessly without really thinking about it. Or it's possible that we use our time in, could we say, selfishly wise ways, trying to get the most fun, pleasure out of our time. Or I think one thing that we have to be careful about, I think it's easy to want to try to become financially secure. And um, I think there can be a selfishness in that. Or we can selflessly, in a wise way, use our kingdom, use our time for the kingdom of God. This morning, as you walked into this building, I'm just kind of curious, how many of you thought about it, about where you were putting your feet as you walked. Is there anyone who was consciously thinking about that, that I am going to put my foot here and then here? Probably not. Um, maybe if you have a little more difficult time walking, you would. Um, I stepped back here, and it probably would have been good if I would have been paying attention. I kind of caught the floor a little bit there with my shoe. Generally, physically, when we're walking, we don't put much thought into it. Um, I have a two-year-old son who I don't think he spends a lot of time thinking about it. But a year ago, he probably thought a little bit more about moving his foot where he was going to move it. Now, if you were crossing a stream with slippery rocks, then you would pay attention to where you're walking. You would walk circumspectly across that stream. You would walk carefully. How's your spiritual walk this morning? Are we just systematically putting foot after foot not really giving thought to how we're living life. Just going, just walking. 
The words you say, the things you do, your thoughts, your choices, are you putting thought into it? Or is it all just what you do? My challenge to us this morning is that we walk, that we live intentionally. This morning, we came here to church. Why did we come to church? We come to church every Sunday. Is that why we came to church this morning? Well, I do think it's a good, ha a good habit to have, to go to church every Sunday morning. But if that's all that it's for, if we're not doing it because we recognize that we need the fellowship of the brotherhood and that we are coming to be filled, to be encouraged in our walk with God, if it's just only a systematic, because that's what we've always known, then it's not coming intentionally. Tomorrow morning, many of you men are going to be going to work. Our sisters have their homemaking work to do. Students going to school. Those are just some of the basics. Why are we doing what we do? Are we living life intentionally? Are we stepping carefully and for reasons? Or are we just plodding along and not really worrying about why and what we're doing? And you know, all of these things we need to do. We need to provide for our families, take care of our families, whatever it may be. But there's a difference between just doing what we do because that's what we have to do and doing it because we're serving God and because we want to bless other people. We're on a road, a journey to eternity and those other people around us and we want to encourage them and take them along with us. I trust that we are all endeavoring to walk circumspectly, to walk with God and allow Him to make us, to bring us to perfection, to bring us to completion in him. And again, no, we don't come to God in an intimidated way. And yet we recognize that on our own we are unworthy and we need God and his work within our lives. Let's kneel for prayer.